Welcome to the Dubs Hub Podcast. Uh, I'm here, Thomas, with Chris Saladin. Um, it's been about a week since we last chatted on the podcast and not not much to cover, so it's probably going to be a short one today. Uh, <laughs> but before we get into it, uh, Chris, how's it going? Yeah, man. No big news dropping. Uh, things are all good on this side. <laughs> Business as usual. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we got a lot to cover. We're going to try to keep it around half an hour as usual, but we'll see how it goes. Um, I think first things first, we just jump straight into it and talk about the Draymond suspension. Um, you know, that this happened in game two. This was, you know, the Sacramento crowd in both of these games has been huge. Uh, they really showed up for Sacramento. Good for them. Um, and, and, you know, stuff right out of hand in game two. Draymond, stomping on Sabonis's chest after being held back while Sabonis is on the ground, putting his ankle in, in like a UFC type of maneuver, um, getting ejected. And here we are Wednesday afternoon, Draymond suspended, um, for game three in San Francisco. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on what happened and the news, you know, how everything's been handled? Uh, I just want you to sound off. Let's hear it. Yeah, stomping's a little strong. Um, I was pretty shocked, honestly, when that news came down last night. I was watching the fourth quarter of the Suns and Clippers game. It was like just starting to be crunch time, and then I got the alerts on Twitter that Draymond was suspended. Um, interesting timing for that to get that uh, news drop off. Right? Yeah, that's, when... that's midnight East Coast time, too. They're sort of hiding it, but, you know, the sports – the sports shows have been picking it up today and it's basically the number one talking point. So the NBA has had to do sort of a a press tour with Joe Dumars to try to cover their asses on, on the decision they made. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was honestly very shocked just because I didn't think it was super egregious. Now, if Sabonis hadn't grabbed his ankle um, and Draymond just, there was a play on the ground and Draymond stomped on them. Yeah, I would understand that. But there's an argument to be made, and even the refs acknowledged it during the game by giving Sabonis a technical that he shouldn't have been grabbing Draymond's ankle like that. Um, So I really was not expecting this news at all. And if you can remember, Shams tweeted out yesterday morning that it was unlikely that Draymond was going to get suspended. So that kind of made the news more interesting to me more surprising to me um but the part of the press release that i found interesting was kind of at the end where it says that and this is quotes the suspension was based in part of green's history of unsportsmanlike acts um that's kind of honestly groundbreaking in the nba i've never really seen any verbiage like that or this type of situation before so yeah, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, that exactly. That was um, just acknowledgement from the NBA that Draymond is being called out and like targeted and punished for for who he is and the history of of him in this uh, in this league. 
which is pretty incredible. I, I haven't heard of that either. So they're, they're really sending a message that in my opinion, that they're, they're done with Draymond's antics. Um, yeah, I'm sure the NBA wasn't happy about the video of him punching pool coming out to start the season. And we know, you know, he's had like in past playoff runs that the kicking incidents where, you know, arguably he's just kind of throwing his limbs around, but regardless, it's making headlines and that's in their view, a bad look for the NBA. So they're cracking down on it. Um, with this, with this suspension, that's sort of unprecedented in my view. Yeah. And just kind of looking over the facts and reviewing what happened and kind of reading through what the NBA said on it. I honestly think a big part of it was how he acted after the play. I mean, he was standing in the center court, like rallying up the Kings fans and Adam Silver was also in attendance for that game. So I'm sure that did not help when he's just like pounding his chest, screaming at fans after kind of making a dirty play. Um, I don't think a suspension would have happened if he didn't do that. I, I don't. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, I think Joe Dumars, who by the way is I, th- I believe the head of basketball operations and executive VP at the NBA, um, he was on on ESPN and he said exactly that that Draymond riling up the crowd afterwards played a part in their decision, which is is surprising to me. I definitely did not expect. <laughs> him getting into it with fans. It's not like he, um, it's not like he was, you know, fighting any of the fans or calling them, you know, crazy names and, and getting them kicked out. Uh, he was just playing, playing to the crowd, which we've seen plenty of players do. Um, so it's surprising to me that that was part of, of the decision to suspend him. Yeah. It's just kind of a weird situation. I mean, Sabonis was like on the ground crying after um for a that long was time. An, a neymar-esque performance there exactly just absolutely incredible got stepped on it looked like he was stabbed in the rib cage yeah i mean wow and then threw <laughs> and then threw down a massive dunk at the end of the game like five minutes later and then chest bumped his teammates but um <laughs> and then after the game they tweeted out that sabonis was getting x-rays on his chest which obviously turned out negative, but then Draymond in response got X-rays on his his ankle. <laughs> yeah, um, it was. It's just a petty Draymond weird yeah. situation, and I honestly feel bad for the Kings fans because, I mean, we'll get to the previous games in a second, but they've been playing extremely well, kind of handing it to the Warriors, and all anyone has been talking about the past twenty four hours, forty eight hours is that's play and Draymond and now it's like oh the Kings didn't really beat the Warriors because Draymond's gonna get suspended I mean we'll see what happens in game three but a lot of the discourse is taken away from actually pretty entertaining and physical and playoff basketball yeah very entertaining basketball um yeah well I I did want to say like I think honestly first and foremost I'm mad at Draymond um it's not like this is the first time this has ever happened to him. He was like ejected from an important game too. It wasn't a must win in my view, uh, last game, but it was a close game throughout the entire, throughout the entire fight, uh, fight. And, um, it was on the road. The Warriors need to win a game on the road. They, 
started the fourth quarter looking really good. They rolled out the the Steph, GP2, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond lineup, and were starting to get stops, push the pace, rebound, and and find ways to score. That lineup looked like the best counter that the Warriors had to the Kings in in either of the first two games. Uh, and that's the lineup that was on the floor when Draymond when the Draymond and Sabonis situation happened. So that was rough timing there. Um, they had cut the lead to four at that point, and it's just I'm just mad at Draymond because he clearly overreacted to the, in my view, clearly overreacted to the ankle grab. He didn't need to do that, and um, I don't think he should have been suspended for it. But I do think, like you know, frankly, an ejection wasn't wasn't out of the realm of possibility for something like that. Maybe you also eject Sabonis or you give them both flagrant ones and move on. But man, Draymond getting caught up in it again. Um, and I think was a big factor in, in the Warriors losing game two. I really do think the Warriors could have pulled that game out. Um, if Draymond hadn't gotten ejected. Yeah, it was pretty brutal timing because this game was pretty choppy for us. Um, I mean, the first quarter we ended up and we're looking good. The Kings looked actually pretty bad in the first quarter, but then they were kind of giving it to us the second and third and mid fourth. We started to make a run. We realized, okay, the lineup is Steph, Clay, Wiggins, GP2, and Draymond. And that lineup was doing very well and then that happened and it forced Looney to be in there but he already had five fouls so he couldn't be kind of the aggressive um doing the you know questionable screens locking elbows trying to get rebounds just because if he felt out I mean what do you do in that situation and that leads us to game three I mean and a broader picture of the season as a whole we really only have two big men on this roster so kind of brutal that one of them is suspended for now a must win game three, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I wasn't surprised with the ejection, honestly, but I was surprised, surprised with the suspension, but I mean, we can just move towards the game. It was well, just real quick. One oh, more yeah, thing on the suspension. Um, so to me, the, why the most egregious part of this and why I think the NBA was wrong to suspend him is that, Draymond's essentially getting punished in three different ways, actually four, four different ways uh, for, for what he did. He got ejected in a huge game. That's punishment number one. That's like, all, that's partly a, that's like a partial suspension. Basically you're, you're not playing for what were the mo- the seven most important minutes of the Warriors season so far. He, it was a flagrant two, which means he has now two points in the NBA's playoff flagrant system. If you get four points uh, f- accumulated from flagrant fouls throughout the playoffs, it's a suspension, automatic suspension for a game. So a flagrant, f- a flagrant two is two points. A flagrant one is one point. Um, so that's so that's two forms of punishment already. And then they suspend him for a whole game, and they suspended him without pay. So he's also not paid for for sitting out game three. So they're really just piling on top of it. And to me, it isn't consistent with with the NBA's own like system and their own standards. The, N- the, the NBA has this flagrant point system. Why aren't they sticking to that 
why are they just kind of overreaching their own system just to suspend Draymond um, when he's and they're not like revoking his flagrant points. They're not allowing him to be paid for game three, but just suspending him. It's it's really to me unprecedented and 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 not right. Um, I don't know. That that's the worst part for me. I just wanted to make sure people know that like Draymond's getting getting hit from all angles uh, now that the suspension has come down. Yeah, it's definitely a a reputation punishment. And it's <clears throat> similar and different to what happened in the 2016 finals where the incident happened with LeBron when LeBron was, like, stepping over him and Draymond gave him an elbow and then whatever. He actually got no technical, no flagrant, no nothing in that situation and finished the game. And then the NBA reviewed it in retrospect and gave him a flagrant one, which led to that four-point system where he was automatically suspended a game. This situation is weird because he got the punishment in the game. He was ejected. He got the flagrant two, you know. Right. And then in retrospect, you suspend him after that in addition to those things, in my opinion, is overboard. But, yeah, you know. Doesn't make sense. Like Bob Myers said today, there's no really point in contesting it. The, The decision is made. It is what it is. Warriors are going to be playing game three without Draymond. Yep. Um, yeah, I guess. All right. So we can backtrack a little bit since we haven't done a podcast or even released an article since game one or game two. Um, we could talk a little bit about game one, what happened right off the bat and you know, what surprised us, what didn't surprise us. Um, I know you were, you were kind of out at Coachella getting after it. So I don't know how much of the game you were able to catch, but what are your, what are some of your takeaways on you probably read or looked at some highlights uh, what are your takeaways from game one yeah I, game one definitely in retrospect now like you said I, I wasn't able to watch it but i watched the highlights and looked over everything that that's kind of brutal loss for us now looking back that seemed like the one to grab um emotional game with wiggins coming back although he almost played 30 minutes in his first game back um didn't shoot necessarily well but was out there provided size um had a chance to hit a three which would have put us in a better position to to finish the game but you know we let that one slide and then game two you know i you can tell me about this was game one as physical as game two because that was like my main takeaway was there was bodies all over the floor a lot of fouls not being called but then weirdly tiki tack fouls got called like the start of the third quarter was insane yeah we had five foul calls in i think a minute and a half moody came in to start and got two or three foul calls on the same possession it's like okay can i mean i'm fine if they're calling it ticky tacky or letting them play just be consistent Uh, i was really confused with that yeah i mean so game one was pretty physical but really the kings are the team that took it took it to that level they came in and their offensive re- rebounding was great. The the refs weren't calling the push in the back rebounding foul like we saw, you know, we've seen during the regular season or called in other games. So they were just letting them go and the Warriors didn't match that energy in the first game. Um the, and they even came out and admitted it afterwards and they said that this is going to be a focus for the team and like moving forward. We're not going to let the Kings come in here and push us around like defending champions they know how to get physical and they did i thought in game two 
they match that energy level. Um, in game, uh, yeah, and, and you're right, in game two, the Warriors got into the bonus in a minute and a half and yet still only lost the quarter by two points. That was, to me, another reason why the Draymond ejection was was so rough because they weathered some some serious storms um, to keep it close. But anyway, we'll get to game two in a second. Um, but, but yeah, to answer your question, game one was pretty physical, but I thought the Kings had the edge. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And, I mean, kind of saw a bad pool game not the best clay or divincenzo game steph steph seemed like he played really well um draymond played well but yeah it seems like the theme of the first two games is kind of the the dubs role players have not been there like divincenzo has been really solid all year kind of been a non-factor so far in this series um pool obviously really good Uh, i i could say up and down season but you know, generally has been really good, especially last year in the playoffs has kind of been a non-factor. I know he's dealing with a ankle injury. Um, Kaminga, he got four minutes last game. He was ending the season playing really well, really confident. Seemed like he gained the, the trust of Steve Kerr. So, you know, pretty, pretty brutal when the Kings bench comes in. Alex Len is just dominating when he comes in. Malik Monk is looking like prime Jamal Crawford coming in. I know, I think he had 30 the first game, second game. Um, he had almost 20. So, you know, that's kind of scoring more than our entire bench is scoring. So that's yeah. definitely something that needs to change. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Right. Um, <clears throat> Warriors role players, really the only reliable ones off the bench. I mean, it's really one guy. It's been Gary. Um, Dante has, surprisingly been exposed on defense i thought he would you know be serviceable enough to take some minutes on fox and monk and maybe not fully slow them down but allow wiggins and gp2 a rest but the only options for fox are gp2 and wiggins and wiggins has looked like the best option at least he did in game two in game one GP2 looks like the best option, I think, because Wiggins was still getting his legs underneath him um, and and getting back into rhythm. But, I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. Wiggins played 28 minutes in game one. He came off the bench but really looked like he hadn't missed a day, even though it had been almost two months to the day since he yeah. had played, which is crazy. Um, he defended well. That was That's like the number one thing we needed from him. Uh, he he missed some open shots, but to be expected after being out for so long. Uh, and I thought he looked a little bit tired by the end of the game. Uh, but overall, like I was pretty I was pretty pleased with that. And in game two, he played 39 minutes and started and was guarding Fox the entire time. I mean, yeah. incredible that he can just step onto the court in a playoff environment against a fast team. The Kings are really fast and they're more athletic than I, than I realized. Um, so that to me has been really impressive. Uh, but, but speaks to the fact that the role players have, have been bad and they've needed him to step up like that. Yeah. To your point, that's kind of been my main takeaway from these first two games 
before we were talking and when we did our pod before kind of the playoff seats were broken down, um, I was thinking that the Kings would be a better matchup for us than the Suns. And now in retrospect, watching the, the two series, man, the Kings make us look really slow and old. And they're, like you said, extremely physical with us, way faster, way quicker. Um, we haven't been able to match what they've been bringing to the table. Whereas I think with the Suns, we're able to speed them up, you know, play our our game. Yeah, with they Aiden play, on the floor, yeah, you can kind of so run him slow. off of it. Yeah. Yep. Whereas Sabonis, like, he's pretty fast and he's pretty quick, pretty nimble, pretty floppy. But he's <laughs> um, he surprised me. Alex Len has surprised me. I mean, the Warriors have been getting killed by scrub backup bigs all year, so I'm not really surprised by that just because we don't have a big, but Herder is fast. Monk is fast. Fox is mm-hmm. like the fastest basketball player I've ever seen. Um, yeah. Other, like you said, besides Wiggins and Dante, I mean, we got a lot of slow dudes. Clay is slow. Looney's obviously slow. Um, Dante surprisingly looks slow. Poole is usually quick, but he's dealing with an ankle injury. So yeah, man, it is, uh, it's been a rough watch. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see when or how Poole got injured. Um but it must have happened in game 1 and I just missed it. Uh but you know, Poole looked really bad on defense in game 1. He shot fine but was just not a positive impact player. Got to the line a few times. Those are the like, you know, he shot fine and he got to the line like great, but really he he was a he was a negative player in game one and clearly was a negative player in game two because of the injury and just not playing very well. I, I do expect that to turn around in game three at home. Um, I think he's going to, you know, come out and, and try to be aggressive, put pressure on the rim, which is really what his, what is we need him to do on this team. That's his most important asset for this specific team. Um, even more than his tough shot making. So, that's been a huge loss, or I guess a, a gap, a void uh, in the matchup so far. Um, you know, it's just been a tough one. The Kings, give them credit, have been better than I anticipated in terms of matching up with the Warriors. Yeah. And Mike Brown has so far outcoached Steve Kerr. I've uh, seen that said a lot, like on Twitter and, and in the media, and I think it's definitely true. I don't think that it's going to last. I think Kerr is a more seasoned coach. He's he's been in a hole before in the playoffs, knows how to make adjustments. The real issue is do we have the personnel and do we have the discipline to execute the game plan that Kerr will throw out there to to make adjustments? That is something I'm not sure of. But I do think um Kerr is smart enough to to get us to the point where uh it's much more of a of a battle and the Warriors can stick in it. So um, anything else you wanted to talk about in game one before we just talk a little more about game two? No, no, I think that's good. I mean, game two is the, the fresher game, probably the more memorable game due to, you know, kind of the stakes as well as what happened after it. Um, I was honestly surprised in game two how little DiVincenzo played. I mean, he was minus 13 worse on the team 
only got 12 minutes. Uh, yeah, it's just been surprising how he's been played out played out of the the series a little bit looking so far because when Gary came back, we're like, wow, we got these two, although they're undersized, two versatile defending hustle playmaking swing guard wings that can uh, just get in there and make things happen. But I just think Fox is too fast for him. The wings are too big for him. Um, yeah. he's not he's not rebounding. He's not really defending, not hitting shots, so it's kind of hard to play there. Gary's looked good to me both of the games. I mean, he's looking yeah. like our fourth or fifth most important player. Um, imagine where they'd be if they if they didn't make that trade midseason in the in this series. It'd be, they'd uh, be in the play-in and potentially yeah. knocked out of it. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's been brutal. One thing that I'm a little annoyed with that's happened in the season is I wish I mean we weren't like killing teams in the regular season so it's frustrating that we didn't really get to experiment with different lineups and players I mean we played Anthony Lamb so much in the regular season and he hadn't he didn't play in either of the first two games and then you just kind of throw Moody in because the playoffs about you know adjusting and making changes and trying to figure things out it's like why couldn't Moody have gotten run in the regular season with these lineups in these clutch situations just so he'd be more prepared for this I mean he got basically the same amount of minutes as DiVincenzo started the second half actually played pretty well had five rebounds in eight minutes that's where we've been getting killed Um, so it's just frustrating to see same with Kaminga like he wasn't even playing in the beginning of the season but we're getting destroyed by athletes quicker dudes getting physical I mean he's probably the most athletic person on our team but he could only get four minutes just because he doesn't really have the confidence, doesn't have a year this season of playing with all these different lineups. So like you said, Kerr's kind of getting out coached, and I don't think it's just in the bubble of this playoff series. I think the way the season was handled um, is kind of showing a little bit. I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, Kerr, Kerr is not a great uh, young player development type of coach. He's going to play the matchups, look at his roster, look at his personnel, and roll with the guys he thinks have given him the best chance to win, whether it comes at the expense of development or not. Um, so you can definitely like criticize him for that, but uh, I don't know. Just watching Kuminga out there, he looked lost. He was not rebounding. He was trying to defend, but he was getting lost in, in their motion offense. Um, that it's it's been some pretty rough minutes for Kaminga, and I mean we know he's not like a huge threat to score on the other end either. So if he can't rebound and, and defend, and really use that athleticism to his advantage, there's not a great place for him in this series, in my opinion. I mean, Moody came in and did look better. Um, you know he's he also makes some dumb plays. He'll foul guys unnecessarily but he hustles and grabs boards he has pretty long arms and while his foot speed is pretty slow he has overall been okay on defense in the few minutes he's gotten game one game two um so just just pretty rough um just a lack of personnel or sorry he didn't play in game one only in game two but um yeah, just a lack of a lack of personnel is showing. I mean, the Warriors, Steve Kerr and the coaching staff, 
they trusted six guys last game and it was the starting five plus gp2 yeah and one of them got ejected so exactly. there were really there's really a one lineup team right now um unless the warriors can figure something out with these role players at, at chase center which i do expect to happen i mean role players are famously better at home so we'll we'll see which one decides to step up but uh we'll get it from somewhere i, I think otherwise really this this series and this season is cooked yeah and while i agree with you you know six players makes sense but we're taking the person that plays the third or fourth most minutes and they're just gone for game three so there's you know 35 minutes in a game where we have to fill that in with you know because looney and peyton aren't heavy minute players looney's never been he's always been like 20 to 24 minutes a game that's what he can play and gary you know he played 27 minutes last game i think if draymond didn't get ejected he'd be around like 24 25 so it's hard to say, oh, well, we can just have Looney play 35 and Gary play 35. That's just, that's just not going to happen. Um, and and that was my frustration about not really using the regular season when we were losing games anyways to kind of have backup plans for if something like this were to happen. You know, even Jermichael Green, like, obviously he's been pretty bad all year, but... Now there's just kind of no way where he can really play in this series because the last month of the the season he was just getting DMP straight. So our third big is just unplayable. Um, Kaminga. I do think of- I do think Kerr is going to give him some run in this next game. I mean, they he threw him out there for like a minute in game two randomly and then took him right out. Um, that was kind of strange, but I do think there's just no way he doesn't at least see the floor for like four minutes in this upcoming game, just to see if he can like hit a couple open threes. He is a stretch five type of player. If he can like hit a couple threes, grab an offensive rebound and not completely tank the defense. I could see him getting some run, but you're right. He, you know, he's going to have to be coming off the bench cold. He hasn't played much recently. So yeah. Yeah. The only blessing with the suspension news coming on Tuesday is the Warriors have a full day and a, another – so basically almost two sh- full days to kind of come up with a game plan, set rotations, um, do this. I mean, I think the clear adjustment would be to slide Gary in at the four and start with Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Gary, and Draymond er, – and Looney. And then kind of just roll – I mean, the only thing you can do is hope that, you know, between Dante, Poole – Kaminga and Moody and like you said maybe Jermichael that we can get something going I think there's no way that the bench plays as bad as they have the first two games especially at home I mean we always see that in every single playoff series that the home team's bench plays bad and or plays good and then the away team's bench plays bad I can't and I'm hoping it works the opposite way for the Kings too I hope Monk has a bad game you know Davion Mitchell has played super well the past two games. I've been really surprised with that. He's been playing physical, playing good defense, hitting shots. Um, I don't know. Yeah. They've, they've looked really solid and really impressed me, but theme of the season, the Warriors haven't been able to do it on the road. But at Chase, they've had, they had a better 
uh, win percentage this year than the championship year last year at Chase. So uh, yeah. I'm hoping for some home cooking. I'm hoping for the Draymond suspension is kind of motivation for everyone to step up. Um, I know Steph will be there. I know Looney will be there. Wiggins is going to play hard. Clay's going to shoot. I don't know if he'll make it, but he's going to be there. Um, <laughs> One thing get- we know about Clay, he's he's getting his shots up. <laughs> exactly. Man, even uh, it- even in this series, Clay has looked. I would say Clay has probably looked the the most old out there. He cannot hang with the the guards that the Kings have. Oh no, he he can't defend them at all. I mean, he has to guard like Barnes or Keegan Murray. Those are really the only two guys he can stick with. I even think he has trouble sticking with Kevin Herter. Herter's oh, yeah. pretty pretty quick around screens. I don't think Clay can guard him. That's yeah, it's been rough. I mean, we knew this in the regular season. We saw Clay attempt to to you know be his former self and defend some smaller guards you know in the past that's been one of his strengths he he's been a lockdown wing defender but since he's come back from injury it's just not there no no i mean herders impressed me too he's moving he's making quick decisions with the ball he he doesn't just hold on to it he either shoots passes it relocates one thing that's honestly impressed me is i feel like steph has been fighting really hard on defense he's been playing whoever he's been on well he kind of chased he last game he was chasing around herder closing out quick on davion making him put it on the floor obviously he's not going to guard like fox or monk but yeah it sucks that steph's been kind of having to carry the load where um you know clay pool even divincenzo have just been just traffic cones on defense as well yeah. as not playing good on offense. I mean, if Poole was scoring 30, at least it would be a track meet. And like we said, we can't fully blame him. I know he's his ankle was pretty bad last game. So I'm hoping yeah. two days off will uh, will help with that. Yeah, I mean, you said some, something interesting there. Is like if Poole starts lighting it up, it's, it's a track meet. It's like a shootout, essentially. But And, and uh, if that happens and the Warriors win, that would be incredible. I just personally think... The Warriors, in a long, long-term planning, they can't try to get into a shootout or a track meet with the Kings. They I mean, that's don't what, have the that's speed. That's what Game Three might have to be. Their best defender is not able to play. Yeah, exactly. They're they're gonna have to get lucky in Game Three, and that that they're hitting shots and they they can take the Kings out of their rhythm. It's really an issue that Draymond's not playing because of that. Uh, yeah. Draymond's also the counter to. Mike Brown's um, successful game plan on Steph so far, which has been trapping Curry up top very high, basically just blitzing him and getting the ball out of his hands. Um, when, When that happens, the Warriors have basically two options. It's to run a high pick and roll with Draymond and Steph, essentially at half court, like continuously set and reset screens to to go straight at those defenders who are trapping and open up space behind the screener. The second option is to run Steph off ball and have Draymond as the primary ball handler uh, and facilitate the offense that way. But both of those counters are gone now. So the Warriors really need another ball handler to step up. It's got to be either Poole or Dante. I mean, if both of those guys have a bad game again, the Warriors are probably going to lose game three. That's Definitely. that's kind of my take. I kind of I see what you're saying in that point. 
and I, I agree with it, but I also don't agree with that those options are fully gone. I know we saw last season when Draymond was kind of benched in the finals for Looney. I think Looney can fill in that role pretty well. He's shown, especially in the past two years, that he can be a really good decision maker off the pick with Steph. Obviously, he's not as quick and the ball handler that he is, but he can find the right person. And I can also say that Gary, the Gary Steph pick and roll has been pretty good. Um, as well as, I mean, we're going to see what happens. We're going to see what what Steve does with Kaminga. Is he going to give him rope to be like, okay, we're either winning or losing, but he's playing regardless. Or is he going to play four minutes, maybe make a mistake, and then he rides with like Tony Lamb or Jermichael Green or anything. I honestly think that our best option would be to just play Kaminga 20, 25 minutes. I know he's not the best rebounder, but we need someone in there that's going to maybe attack the rim, maybe put some on-ball pressure on there, maybe make a weak side block, just some type of physicality. I mean, Jermichael Green is supposed to be like a goon like that, but he really is the only thing he can do in that situation is kind of do hard fouls or dirty fouls. He's not going to block anyone or really even get rebounds. So that's kind of the way I would go about it. Yeah, I don't I don't think Kerr's gonna roll with Jamichael Green that much. I just think they're gonna give him a shot to like have some big moments and see what happens and if it doesn't work then immediately sit him back down. But to fill the Draymond minutes, I agree it's going to be Kuminga in some instances, but he'll be I think rolling as the small ball five. Yeah. Um and that's Draymond's to, role too though. Right, yeah, that's what I mean. He'll he'll replace Draymond's small ball five minutes, um, but Draymond's minutes at the four is the more interesting adjustment. I I think it's going to be Anthony Lamb, who is you know a stretch four. He can knock down threes. He is pretty high energy. He likes to rebound the ball on the offensive glass, yeah. um, and he's not a great defender, but serviceable defender. He can guard someone like Keegan Murray or uh, Harrison Barnes. So I I think I wouldn't be surprised if Lamb starts. We'll see if they lean into GP2 starting, but I don't know. There has a lot of options to play with with the starting lineup. It could be GP2. Like I think you said that's your prediction for it, right? Yeah, but I mean, Kerr's been – Kerr's always thrown around weird lineups, especially this season, so you could be right. You could see Tony Lamb try yeah, to start just to change things up. I think my my guess is Lamb, um, but it, obviously it could be GP2. It, it could be Dante. We've seen Dante start a lot of games with Wiggins out. Um, you could just slide Wiggins up to four. Uh, then you have Dante essentially defending, let's say, Herder yeah. uh, in the starting lineup while Wiggins takes Fox. Not a bad option if, if Dante can have a good game. He could go with pool and just lean into offense. And um, I think that's not a likely option, but you know, Kerr's done some crazy things. He, he played that four guard lineup quite a bit in the second game. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the four guard lineup, but uh, he keeps going back to it. So he must see something at least for small stretches of time that, that I'm not seeing. Um, And who knows? I mean, he could start, either of the young guys too he could go with Kaminga for that athleticism although I think Kaminga's going to be better suited in this game 
in this matchup as a small ball five, but he might roll with him at four. He might roll with Moody since he's had, he's had some decent minutes um, rebounding. And I mean, to end the regular season, Moody had some good minutes too coming in, helping them win some tough games down the stretch. So Kerr's got a lot of options. It's, uh, it's just a question of who steps up, who can uh, successfully fill those minutes. Uh, I mean, it, he's really going to have to bowl a perfect strike here to make this work. I agree, man. <clears throat> I think it's going to be interesting and definitely excited to see it. Um, just wrapping up here, what do you what do you think for Game Three? Obviously, the most important game of the season. You know, two one and three zero, extremely different. Must 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 win game. What do, what do you think? Yeah, absolute must win game. I don't. If the Warriors win Game Three, I'm not sure Game Four is a must win, but. Um, because I do think the Warriors can come back from 3-1 if they make the right tweaks. We've seen them do it before. Granted, that was in the past with a younger core. But, um, yeah, absolutely, Game 3 is a must-win. What do I think? Well, before the Draymond news dropped that he was suspended, I thought the Warriors were going to come out and and reclaim you know, this series in, in a way, win by like 10, 20 points, you know, beat their chests on the home court, um, say, look, we're not going to go down this easily. And they still might do that, but I just think it's going to be a close one um, without Draymond. I think he's the the Swiss Army knife, jack-of-all-trades that uh, could help turn this series, and they're really going to miss him on Thursday. So I'm going to go Warriors. They're at home. They, they, you know, love playing at home. They've had a great winning record at home. Um, but I'm nervous. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. Definitely nervous. Uh, I wish it was Thursday already just because I'm going to be thinking about this game for, for until it comes up. But, um, I agree with you. I think it's Warriors and hot take. I actually think the Warriors might win by 15 or 20. I really do. I think that the Warriors have played kind of bad the first two games and have been in a position to win both games whereas the kings have been playing really well and we're in the position to lose the games um i think steph's gonna have a big night i think clay was gonna have a big night looney's gonna be a beast and i think one of the five one or two of the five role players we named are gonna show up big i could see dante playing 30 plus and hitting four or five threes i could see pool scoring 25 um, I could see Kaminga just really having a breakout game. Like you said, I could see Lamb kind of playing 15 minutes, hitting two or three threes, grabbing some rebounds, taking some charges. I think it's going to be an all-hands-on-board type of game. I think it's going to be a classic Warriors game. Um, and I think it's going to be a series-defining win that swings the momentum into Game 4, win that, and we go back to Sacramento 2-2. Man. That sounds great. The, w- the way you put it, I'm I'm feeling good now. Yeah, <laughs> you just exactly. rallied the troops, man. I, I did. That's that's my job here on the the Devs Hub podcast. But definitely, we'll see how things go. We'll probably hop back on a podcast um, after Game Four. Look out for an article, possibly from me after Game Three. Um, either a really optimistic article or a pretty uh, pessimistic. <laughs> bigger picture article but like i said before man i i really think it's going to be a big game 
game yep. three. Yep. All right, man. Catch you next time.